we were just talking about the billion dollar industry that is menstrual hygiene. Um, within that is the billion dollar in industry of feminine hygiene products. And quick note about these products. The vagina is a self-cleaning oven and no product should be going in the vagina to clean. You do not need douches, you do not need powders. Um, anything that can go up there can actually make things a lot worse and you can have infections, either yeast or bacterial, and um, that can lead to bigger problems. Just about half the world's population has had or will have a period at some point. But despite how common menstruation is, there can still be some confusion or even stigma around period products like pads, tampons, menstrual cups, and more. And that's not even getting into the huge industry around so-called feminine hygiene products that honestly can often do more harm than good. On this bonus episode of the Women's HealthCast Back to Basics series, Dr. Paula Cody and Dr. Ryan Lewellwitz walk us through the period aisle. They'll help us understand the differences between the products available and offer some considerations that can help us figure out which products are the right choice for us. And while we're in this aisle, we talk about the multi-billion dollar feminine hygiene industry and why we can probably take a pass on all of those products. From the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Askins, and this is the Women's HealthCast. One thing we haven't talked about yet, but I know people have tons of questions about. I've experienced this both in you know, questions for this podcast and also just like anecdotally and socially, um, and that's choosing menstrual products. So there's this huge market of options available to help um, you know, a huge range of things we can choose, like pads and tampons and reusable pads and reusable cups. Um, and I'm hoping we can talk maybe a little bit about how somebody figures out what kind of product is a good fit for them. How do we even navigate this enormous aisle in the Target? Great question, and one we discuss very regularly in clinic. Um, like Jackie said, there's a whole... Um, industry uh, devoted to uh, menstrual products. And there's um, there's pads, and what those are, they um, attach to the underwear. There are tampons that go up in the vagina and kind of, um, they absorb the blood inside the vagina. There's uh, menstrual cups, which instead of absorbing the blood, it's basically um, a cup that goes up in the vagina and catches the blood before it gets to the underwear. Um, there are... Um, there are period underwear where it's actually, it's kind of like an absorbent pad sewn into the underwear itself. Um, and those have been um, getting more common in years. And there's, um, there's different sizes for a lot of the cups and the tampons. There's different um, materials that they're made of. Um, there's just, there's whole industries uh, dedicated to this. And basically it's a trial and error and you, you just try what works for you. Um, a question I get very commonly is if someone has their period at a young age, are they too young to use something like a tampon? And um, my response is if they're having periods, they're not too young to use them. Uh, one of the important things, though, is you want to make sure um, for tampons in particular that you're using the right um, absorbency for the amount of flow that you have. Um, so, for example, they come in different sizes and different absorbencies. And if you're um, using a tampon when you're not having any bleeding, um, or you're using a tampon that is way too absorbent for the amount of bleeding that you're having, so it basically it feels dry a lot, that can actually put you at risk for um, certain types of infections, and that can be a, a pretty big um, 
a pretty big deal. And any person can use any product as long as they're, um, they're using it properly. This is just my sense of the market and kind of what's out there, but that things, uh, reusable things like a menstrual cup. So that's can be made out of a few different materials, but often there may be medical grade silicone and it's something that, um, can be re sanitized and then reused from period to period. So buy, buy one, use it for a while. Um, similarly with period underwear, um, they're newer and people have sort of questions about their like safety. Are they okay to use long-term? Yeah. Those products are definitely safe, but with anything proper hygiene and, um, changing, you know, either, you know, emptying the menstrual cup and, you know, cleaning it um, on a regular basis. Typically they recommend between six and 12 hours. Um, and then also, you know, changing the underwear on a regular basis, um, would be, um, you know, would be recommended. Um, I know that some of the brands for the underwear are saying that they can um, be worn all day. Um, I haven't seen any evidence otherwise that they shouldn't be. But again, I would think that, you know, potentially patients would want to or persons would want to have, you know, um, either, you know, change it at some point, say, you know, after 12 hours or after they get home from work or wherever they're doing. Um, and then I know that some people you have like a backup with them in case it's it's, uh, you know not not as effective as they hoped um but yeah no they're safe it's just again it's just proper hygiene is important um same thing with you know as dr dr cody mentioned with with tampons you know you need to be able you need to change them on a regular basis um and not use one that's the wrong product for for you one thing that um actually i get a lot of questions about when it comes to um hygiene is can you use tampons or menstrual cups with an iud um, and so a lot of times patients will come in, they'll be like, oh, I've got this IUD. And as if you don't know, the IUD sits inside of the uterus and then there's two strings that are attached to the IUD. They're small strings and they actually protrude through the cervix into the top of the vagina. And typically they're only one to two centimeters long. Um, and so most patients don't notice them, but they're the people get worried that, oh, can I, if I'm placing a tampon or I'm removing a tampon, can, am I going to pull out the IUD? For the most, for most patients, no, that won't happen. You can use menstrual cups. You can use um, tampons. Um, I do, I tend, when I place IUDs, I tend to cut the strings on the shorter side around one centimeter, um, just because I know if you do leave them too long, um, again, just patients notice them. And if you were removing a menstrual cup, there is a chance you could, you could grab them. So that's why I do trim them a little bit shorter, but no, it is safe to still use tampons and menstrual cups with with an IUD in place. The recommendation I've seen for menstrual cups, so it's a, you know, a circular insert that can kind of create somewhat of a seal. And the one recommendation I've seen is to reach in as much as possible and break the seal, kind of crimp the cup on itself a tiny bit before removing. Yeah. Uh, that's again that's i actually always ask a patient what they use when i'm placing an iud just so that i know how how trim i need to make those strings but again so um but yeah it, you can just break that suction which is probably just going to be more comfortable for removal in general and um i have some patients who um, have vaginal discharge for whatever reason and they use um, menstrual products to help with the 
vaginal discharge. So for example, wearing a pad or period underwear, not when they're having their period, but because of vaginal discharge. And again, that that's okay. Uh, if you're having um, different discharge than you think is normal, again, always good to talk with your healthcare provider because there could be different reasons that you're having discharge that we may need to investigate and treat. But um, tampons and menstrual cups should not be used for vaginal discharge if you're, if you're, um, because that can lead to infections. And um, I'm doing a quick plug here because one of the, one of the things that we see a lot of, um, we were just talking about the billion dollar industry that is menstrual hygiene. Um, within that is the billion dollar in, industry of feminine hygiene products. And um, quick, um, quick note about these products. The vagina is a self-cleaning oven and no product should be going in the vagina to clean. You do not need douches. You do not need powders. Um, anything that can go up there can actually make things a lot worse and you can have infections, either yeast or bacterial, and um, that can be, lead to bigger problems. And so, um, again, no products should go up in the vagina. It, when, you're, when we're talking about proper hygiene, uh, water is fine. Some people want to use soap, again, making sure it's a gentle soap. Um, there's some people have problems also after being in um, bubble baths or hot tubs or sitting in uh, swimsuits too long or wearing tight clothes. And uh, again, all these things can affect the acid-base balance that's in the vagina and lead to things like yeast infections or bacterial infections. And so um, again, if you're having any concerns with this, talk with your healthcare provider. But as far as femi feminine hygiene goes, nothing up the vagina. It, it is a self-cleaning oven and any any products that you're using on the outside of on the vulva should be gentle. Yeah, and we try to stay away from anything that has any sort of like, you know, scent or anything like or dyes. that. Yep. You you scent, scent free, dye free products exactly. like detergents and avoiding um, fabric softeners and dryer sheets. All those things can help make sure that you're keeping the environment in the vagina um, at a proper acid base balance that you're not getting um, yeast or bacteria growing. One of the things that I'm seeing a lot of patients come in and talk to me about is actually boric acid. And what boric acid is, is it's a, it's used as a household cleaner, actually. Um, and um, it's being, you know, uh, marketed as a feminine hygiene product. Um, there are, there are uses for boric acid, but it sh really should be under the supervision of a provider. Um, there are times where you use it um, and it, it can work very well. But again, as Dr. Cody mentioned, you know, randomly using boric acid um, it, it may make things worse or make symptoms worse. So it definitely, you know, I wouldn't recommend people just going out to Target and buying it. I mean, the, the marketing on it is that it's this cure-all for every vaginal discharge and discomfort. And it, it, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's not a cure-all for, for that. Um, again, it can be used, but those scenarios are particular for certain medical conditions. So um, definitely see your provider if there's too much discharge. While we're on the topic of feminine hygiene, I'm sorry, Jackie, that we're hijacking this, but this is something we talk about on a very regular basis, is um, the management of the pubic hair. And um, a lot of people um, have they how you deal with your pubic hair is, again, a very personal decision. There is no medical reason that you need to shave your pubic hair. Um, and shaving it inappropriately can actually lead to pretty significant infections. I've had to drain abscesses from people's labia before, which is 
no one wants me going down there with a needle if you don't have to. Um, and so again, one an old uh, OB guy I used to work with used to say, be hairy, be clean. And again, there's no medical reason to shave. If that is your personal preference to shave your pubic hair, make sure you're using um, a sharp razor that, and you're using um, thick shaving cream because we're trying to decrease the amount of drag of the um, razor over the skin because extra drag can lead to, um, you know, raise, uh, rash or razor bumps, we call, and those can lead to infections. And um, make sure you're using a clean razor and also going in the direction of hair growth because all of those things can make it less likely that you will get an infection with shaving. So while we're on this sort of like body image related topic, um, we do have some questions, some bonus questions that were sent in by Patch Youth Advocates that are kind of in this thread, I think. So this first one is kind of a big one. Um, is my body normal? <laughs> I think what this question's getting at, you know, from different types of media, we can get a sense of what breasts or vulvas or penises are sort of, quote, supposed to look like. But like, what if we don't exactly look like that? Are our bodies still normal? The short answer to this is that there are there's such a wide variation of normal. There, um, there are so many different things, like body shapes, sizes, smells, uh, certain things like the size of your labia, the size of your breast, the size of your penis, the how many toes you have. Like, they're all... There's wide range of normal, and so usually the answer to that question is yes. There's been, um, we've had quite a few people coming in concerned about the looks of their vulvas because they were watching porn with a partner and their their vulvas did not look like the, the person in the porn, and so th that's a great opportunity to discuss what is normal and what is not normal. So we've established there's a wide range of normal. Um, are there ever things that we should be concerned about that we might notice and think, oh, maybe this is actually something wrong. Yeah, there there are times where um, you can have um, changes in, say, like, you know, your skin or, or features or um, anatomy that can be concerning. OK, so generally, if you're seeing like a new lump somewhere that showed up, right? You know, that would be a good reason to go get that checked out. Okay. Something that wasn't there and suddenly it's there. Hmm. Well, that, that could be concerning, but it also could be nothing, you know, it could be something that's really minor. Um, skin changes. Um, so like if like you suddenly had like an area of your skin that like now is indented or, um, it, um, has a very different appearance than the rest of your skin, I would always recommend that someone gets that checked out. Um, like if there's changes in color, like just 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 how the skin looks, I would definitely go get that checked out. Um, pain, if you have pain in any place, it's a lot of times that's a good reason to go in get that checked out because that could be that you know maybe something is going on. Um, and um, well, you know, odors can be normal. Sometimes if it's a foul odor, okay, and really unpleasant that's sometimes also a good reason to go get checked out. Like, you know, a urinary tract infection can make your odor, can make your urine smell abnormal. And then that's a good reason to go see a doctor and get that checked. Um, so yeah, while there's a huge range in what is normal and what's not normal, there are times where it is a good idea just to go say, hey, is this normal? So the, the 
the the key here is actually knowing what your body is like at baseline, right? And so um, making sure you're you're familiar with your body, you're comfortable, do a self-exploration so that you know, um, for example, you know, we, we have a gynecologist and a adolescent medicine doc on who see a lot more um, people who identify as female than males, but um, for the, any people with testes listening, if you suddenly notice a new lump in your testicle, that's a big deal. That's something that you, you don't ignore. It might not be anything, but that you need to have a healthcare provider help you determine if, that, if that's a big deal or not. Um, same with vaginal discharge. Vaginal discharge, completely normal. Like we've talked about the vagina is a self-cleaning oven, so discharge is normal. However, if the discharge changes in color or smell, that's something you should probably get checked out. So the, the key is is knowing what your body is like at baseline. And again, your body at baseline, that's where that variation of, like there's just a huge variation of what's normal. And if your body at baseline makes changes, that's really when you become concerned. Can we talk a little bit more about smell? There's a whole business, a whole industry about eradicating body scent. And I think it gives this impression that like vaginas don't smell at all. Um, So if there's any odor, you've got a problem. Um, That's not true, right? (laughs) No, no. I mean, I mean, people, people smell, right? We have our, you know, we have our own scent, odor, you know, each individual person. I mean, and that, and that can be based off the food you eat, the activities you participate in, you know, how often are you, you know, yeah, how often you shower, you know, did you just go to the gym? <laughs> I mean, like, people are going to have their own, I guess, um, odors, okay? And those can be normal. Um, and that's and that's where, like, what Dr. Cody was saying is knowing what is normal for you. And when something is going off of that, you know, path there, then, okay, maybe it's time to go get things checked out. But you shouldn't, um, I guess I would hope that people wouldn't assume that you can't have some sort of smell or or taste or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I mean, everyone's going to have that own unique, you know, individual characteristics that make them them. On the next installment of Back to Basics, Dr. Luelwitz and Dr. Cody will walk us through the basics of sex, gender identity, gender expression, sexuality, and more. We hope you can listen. The Women's Health Cast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's Health Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle at W-I-S-C-O-B-G-Y-N. Let us know how we're doing, rate and review us in your podcast app, and let us know what issues you'd like to learn about at the link in our show page. Thanks for listening.